listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Woo! Wow. That was, that was powerful. Thank you guys. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, everyone out there, for singing so loud. Um, if you guys don't know me, my name's Mark. Um, I'm part of the teaching team. I'm a I'm a, a doctor. They keep calling me Dr. Mark, so that's, that's really me. I'm a doctor. Um, and uh, you guys know we've been, we, if you've been here for the past couple of weeks, we've been going through a series that's t- entitled This Is Us. Anybody watch the, 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 uh, the show, This Is Us, the TV show? I'm the only one. Okay. It's a tearjerker, so, you know, we, we ripped it up. We ripped it off, and then I'm kind of sorry. I'm actually not sorry about that, but we, we, really, we really thought that was a great title for this sermon series because... This is us. I mean, this is us, but what we're going to talk about today is what we, we hope to be, what we, what we actually believe that we should be defined by. So I'm going, to go, I'm going to go through a little bit today, but you might want to, I'm going to start with a statement that maybe you've heard before. I'm just going to go through it real quick. The, you know, the mission, and if you haven't heard this before, I mean, it's probably your first time today, so it's okay. If you're, yeah, that's cool if you're, it's your first time here, but this, if you haven't heard this before, this is who we are. The mission is a growing community living out God's radical love, right? Radical love. And I, that, that song has is, is just reminded me so much of, you know, God's radical love. I, I, it's so powerful how much he loves us. He'll go to the ends of the earth to find us, to, to, to take us out of, of all the despair and, and, and ruin that we, we so easily get ourselves entangled in and bring us back because he loves us so much. And that is radical love. And the thing about that radical love is it's, it's, it's evident within the body of Christ, within the church as well. And that is what we're so excited about. And the thing is, it's, it's, it's contagious and so we've talked about that, state, that statement the past two weeks. Um, the first two impactful words we talk about growing, right? We're, we're a growing community. When we talk about growing, we talk about growing personally. We talk about growing in numbers. And second of all, we talk about the community aspect. And, and Ricardo talked about that as well, like what, what community looks like. And, what, and, and it, that it's not just the church in the, these walls, but the church is not just a checklist and the things to do but it's about community. And today we're going to talk about the last part of the phrase and, and actually talk about a little bit about what we, we believe the mission of the mission is. And that's the radical love that we're talking about. See, our, our mission at the mission is to not just keep the radical love in this building, but to make it contagious. And, and maybe you guys are like, do our, what does... What do you mean by contagious? I mean, and do I really want to do that? And is that, that, that seems kind of, you know, yucky or whatever, but um, I don't know. And for me, contagious brings up, I mean, I'm a doctor, so it brings up flu, right? So, um, and you guys probably, how many of you had the flu so far this year? Yeah, it's nasty, right? It's, it's, it's terrible. And, you know, as an urgent care doctor, I get to actually hang out with sick people all the time who have the flu, Right? Um, this year has been completely crazy in my urgent care. Um, we started like just a day before, maybe a couple days before Christmas. 
um, started seeing people coming in with fevers and, and, you know, coughing and, you know, just not so, not so great. Um, and that, those numbers in the waiting room started getting higher and higher. And people were lining up out the door, waiting to see me. And I'm going to tell them, you know, yeah, you got the flu, you know. Good luck with that. It's going to take about 10 days and lots of Tylenol and lots of fluids. And, you know, if you're like some people, they say, yeah, I, can't, what, I need my antibiotics for it. And I just tell them, you know, that I wish that would work, but it doesn't. Um, and the perfect thing for me was like last couple weeks ago, um, I mean, years ago, or weeks ago, we planned a, um, a, week, a week off. So I actually left all my colleagues to deal with the, the, the flu, and, and I was off last week, so... Um, so that's not very nice of me, but, um, you know, it's run through our house as well. I mean, it, you know, causes the sore throat, the body aches, all of that stuff. And, um, you know, it sounds like a NyQuil commercial, but the, um, the influenza, actually the virus this year has been more potent, more, um, you know, it's widespread than we've seen it in many years. And the thing about it is, you know, it, it spreads through through families, through, through close contact, right? When you're, when you're close to your, your, your family, I don't know if about you, but when, if you have kids, usually you're not sick, and, and I'm a doctor, so I see people that are sick all the time, but I rarely get sick from my patients. I actually get sick from my kids who bring it home from school, right? So they get sick, and then I, we get sick, and, you know, we kind of spread it around the house. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I was actually traveling last week, um, for business, so I was on vacation week before, and then last week had was it? I mean, I had to travel to pretty pretty rough destination. I was you know had a meeting in Hawaii, so I, you know, it was, it was rough um, last week. <laughs> Tough to you know get through that. Actually, it isn't very fun to be in a meeting in Hawaii because you're actually sitting in a conference room and there's like a window, <laughs> and there's ocean, and you're just sitting there like in a cold conference room talking about you know business for. 12 hours in a day, so, um, but it was fun, I got to, got to play golf, actually, in Hawaii, which was cool, but I thought about it as I was driving, I was flying back, I was like, all these people in this plane, I mean, flying, yeah, driving through, no, flying back, all these people in the plane, right, there's, I don't know, 350 people in this plane, and what if, like, 10 of them had the flu, right, and then, you know, the air circulates, and you, now 350 people have the flu, and then those 350 people go hang out with their friends and family members. Now, I don't know how many friends or family members you have, but, you know, let's think about it. Maybe it's, let's just say it's 20 or 30 people that you get to come in contact with every day. And now those people, I, don't, I can't even do the math, but just, I mean, we have a medical student. We're going to put him on the math. But it, it goes, you know, basically, it spreads so fast, right? Because people are traveling, and, and, and that's, that's the way that, that the influenza spreads. And if you haven't figured it out, um, that's the way that the early church actually spread as well. Because, because yes, um, there was a growing community of believers who knew each other and kind of loved each other and cared for each other in, in, in communities. But also, each of those people spread out and, and infected, or, you know, if you're going to put it, put it in the flu terms, infected with the love of Jesus Christ, the rest of their community. And then that, those people then went out and spread it out and it, and it exploded in the, in the first century beyond what anybody could have, could have imagined. And when people heard that good news of Jesus, they were motivated to act. Just like, you know, when you get the flu, you, you, 
you're motivated to go, you know, stand four hours in line to wait to hear the doctor tell you you're, you're fine and you can go home and drink a lot of fluid and drink and chicken soup, right? That when, you, when people were infected or inhabited by that love of Jesus Christ, they were, they were actually driven to action to do something different. And unlike the flu, which, you know, is going to taper off in the next couple of weeks, I hope when I get back to work on Monday, you know, I have fewer and fewer people with the flu and I you know, actually, that's just how it works with the flu. But that didn't happen in the early church because it just became an explosion of this radical love throughout the rest of the world. And, and, and we're sitting here today, 2,000 years later, and can you, I mean, can you think about how crazy it is that, you know, that, 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 that story of Jesus coming to earth and the teachings that he had and the, the fact that he, that he that he was crucified and he rose from the dead, that story hasn't gone away. We are still here today because of those people in that place, not in a much bigger place than than this room. And that radical love spread throughout the rest of the world. And that's, that's what we are hoping, actually, when we say the mission of the mission is to make God's radical love contagious because we believe that God's radical love has not stopped becoming, it's not something that's stale and stagnant and just happened 2,000 years ago, that that happens today. And so we're going to talk a little bit about um, how the, the, the radical love of Jesus and that, 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 that real um, early church explosion happened. And uh, so we're going to actually look at, the, at some scripture from the book of Acts today. And um, we remind ourselves that... that Again, just I'm going to put it up on the board because I don't, want to, I don't want to forget about who we are. This is us. We're, we're a growing community living out God's radical love. And see, in Acts 2, we get this first glimpse, we get this, this glimpse of, of who this growing church of believers is. These, these people, they saw Jesus' ministry. They saw, they heard his teaching. They saw all the miracles he did, you know. Um, saw him heal people. Saw, you know, just... Just, uh, just the love that he had for people. And they watched him die. And then they saw him resurrected. And they, they saw him alive. And these people, you know, they, they, they didn't just leave it there, right? Because if they did, we wouldn't be here today. You see, this community of believers, those, those people, they, they lived with Jesus, they knew Jesus. And that group, that, that group was, they, they, were, they were all in. They were in it for good. But they could have been in it for themselves. But they weren't. They could have just hung together and, stu- and you know, just kind of said, hey, guys, we love each other. We're going to love each other like Jesus loved each other. And it would have ended there. But see, at that time, you know, the world was dominated by the Roman Empire, right? So the, the Roman Empire, you know, they, they, they believed that Caesar was Lord. And we, we actually talked about this when Raymond Morehouse came by. I thought that was a, that was a great message of, of what, what is it that, that people believed in that time. They truly believed that, that, that Caesar was, was God. And, uh, and that, that, in that culture, in that milieu of, 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 of belief system, this, you know, Jewish religion that believed that, that Jesus 
was the Son of God, which would have certainly sounded crazy to them, to most people in that time, became the dominant belief system throughout the rest, throughout the re- creation. And, and historians can't really understand this. They don't, they don't actually, they can't scientifically make it make sense. And the reason, we know, because, because it, it's supernatural. What, what happened in that, in that moment, and, in, and the Holy Spirit came upon those people, and they were able to transform the world because, not because of something they did, but because of something that God did in them. So, I think um, we're going to go through a little bit in Acts here. I'm going to have you bring that up there, James, because I um, wanted to read this. Uh, so remember this about, about um, those early believers. It's in Acts 2, verses 46 to 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They added to their number. I mean, I think that's, that's actually key because I think, um, you know, we often try and, 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 and insulate ourselves away from the outsiders. But, but, but in this community, this radical love was so transformative, so different, that people they kind of wanted to come and see what was going on there. Because that community was characterized by God's radical love. It was, it was actually irresistible. See, I think that's the first step of, of spreading the gospel. In, in their joyfulness, in their, in their attitudes with each other, in their devotion to the teaching of Jesus, the Bible says that they enjoyed the favor of all people. And outsiders, they were drawn in. Again, that radical love, a community characterized by God's radical love, is irresistible. So if you think about that in our context, I mean, I think we are actually really loving church. I mean, I think that the mission, if we, if we were to have somebody walk in from outside, they would say, you know, you guys are loving. And the question is, is that breaking outside of these walls. And so I, I think as we kind of ponder that this, this week, um, you know, that's, that's really the question we need to struggle with. So the first step of the spread, you know, of, of the early church was having a community that was irresistible to all people, not just people, like I said, who are insiders, but those who are outsiders as well. And those who didn't know Jesus, they saw this group of people, they saw them eating together in their homes and hanging out together and and the radical love that they showed each other, and they were known for that love, okay? They were known for their love, and they were also known for their stories of faith and of healing and, and, and even the power that Jesus showed through them. That was something they were well known for. So we're going to go forward and, and look at Acts, in, uh, Acts 3 and 4. And I have a lot of scripture today. It's just kind of like a story that I hope will we'll wrap up in the end and make sense. Um, but let's look at Acts 3 and 4. And, uh, and look at, uh, first we're going to look at Acts 3, 1 through 10. So, these, see these powerful stories that, that, um, that these early believers told, and, and, and actually God's power through them was really the thing that, that changed history. So I really want to kind of remind ourselves what it, what it looked like. So Acts 3, 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, 
where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him and said, as did John, and and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gates, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You see, what what was happening here was that, that God was giving Peter and John a story to tell. And, and we'll see why this is important a little later on. I mean, see, people are, are standing around. They must have been completely, you know, shocked and amazed. Like, dude, the guy, you know, Mr., you know, whatever they call him, I don't know, John Doe over there, he, he's been sitting there for forever, and, and, uh, and he's just not getting up. And he comes here every day, and, he, and, he, and just nothing changes. And uh, the thing that's funny is because Peter, you know, he, he tends to get himself in trouble uh, when he, when, he talk, when he talks, he sometimes talks a little bit too much, but it's, it's, all, it's all good. Look, he starts getting back at them. He says, see, you guys killed the one who has the power <laughs> to do this. So let's skip down to verse 15 and 16 where Peter kind of tells off the, the people that were like so amazed by this miracle. Um, Acts 5, uh, 3, 15 and 16 says this. Peter's like, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. (laughs) It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. He's kind of pointing to, look, you guys can see what just happened here. It's not us. It's the guy you killed. It's on you, right? What an amazing testimony to the power of, of who Jesus was in that moment. See, Peter is giving these guys a, a bit of a guilt trip, right? <laughs> he says, you guys could have had this too, but you killed him. Um, but the point he's making is clear. He's using that story, a story of healing. We've talked about this before when we talk about healing. He's using that story to point people to Jesus, right? And I guess the Jewish leaders, they weren't too happy about it. So, you know, we're going to keep reading through um, this, this story a little bit later. So, G- so Peter, get, Peter and John get thrown in jail, and so then the Jewish leaders get together, right? They get together, and they they start talking about what the heck just happened. Um, You know, that guy got healed, and everyone's talking about it, and they're saying that Jesus is the reason, and that's that's not going to be good. So let's let's listen to what Peter has to say to them. Um, And again, Acts 4, 8 to 15, he says this, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, this is important, that, that part is important. It's not just Peter talking, but it's really Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's like, he's just pounding it into them. Look, it's not me. It's not John. It's Jesus, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders reje- you builders rejected, 
which has become the cornerstone. Isn't that? And this is a, you know, reminding them of, 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 of the history and, and their, they would have known this scripture and said, aha, that's right. Oops, yikes. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, see, because these guys could have just killed them right there, but he, they had courage to stand up and say, it's the name of Jesus. It's Jesus. They had that courage and they realized that these guys were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They'd seen him. But, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could do. There was nothing they could say. They ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. Okay, so they, they're like, ah, I can't do anything to this guy. He's right. Oh, we killed him. You know, this guy's healed. Couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't figure it out. And this is the cr- critical part of the story where we see how God worked through Peter and John to spread the gospel. So let's, let's go here now. This is really, really key. Acts 4, 16 through 20. Okay, so these guys, the Sanhedrin are coming together. They're trying, these, these Jewish leaders, they're saying, okay, what are we going to do with these guys? So this is, this is how, how they, this is the conversation that happens. What, what are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've, they've performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it, but, but to stop this thing from spreading any further, to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. They're scared. They know that this is going to spread the name of Jesus. And they know that they have no way of containing it. It's like the flu, you know, in an airplane. That's going to spread. I mean, you can't contain it any longer. Then they called him in again and, and, and commanded them not to speak or teach in, at all in the name of Jesus. But, but Peter and John said, which is right in God's eyes? Again, because this is, this is the, the Sanhedrin, they're, they're kind of like the, the lawyers and the, the judges of, of Jewish law, right? Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we can't help but speak about what we've seen and heard. What we've seen and what we've heard. See, the leaders of the Jews are trying to figure out how to stop this message from getting out, from spreading. They're worried that it can't be contained. And they were right to be worried, right? They were right. They were so right. Because they knew that if the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives, to heal, to be saved in the name of Jesus, began to take hold, their power was over. It was over for them. And then in verse 20, Peter and John, they let the leaders know, look, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. We can't help it. We've seen it and we've heard it. How am I going to keep that in? It's impossible. I mean, this guy's been healed. I didn't do it. God did it through me. I, and so, how can I help but talk about it? See, they were so changed by Jesus that they, they were unable to contain themselves. And so this is the next point that we're going to talk about. It's God's radical love spreads by speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. 
It spreads by, by, by talking about how our lives have changed because of Jesus, by how our communities have changed because of Jesus, by, by how our marriages have changed because of Jesus, by, by how our finances have changed because Jesus has changed our lives. Do we have that, that kind of fervor today, that kind of uncontrollable, irresistible, just un, unescapable way, that thing that we have to just get it out? Do we have a sense of this urgency in our own lives? And do we, do we really remember how much we've changed because of who Jesus is in us? See, because that power cannot be stopped. That, that, that is irresistible to our community because people are searching for healing. They're searching for changed lives. They're searching for things to be different in our world. And we have the answer and we have something that we've seen and that we've heard in this space that needs to be outside of this space. So how did the, the message of the early church become contagious? See, all kinds of people noticed how the community of believers, they loved each other and they were drawn to that love. And through the power of Jesus, lives were changed. Hearts were healed. People were physically healed, as we talk about in this story. And when the disciples pointed people to the power of faith in Jesus Christ and told people what they had seen and heard, the good news of Jesus just continued to spread so that that viral message that began 2,000 years ago is echoed throughout history and it, it continues to change lives today. So what does that story mean for us today? See, see, I believe that at the mission we really are good. Like I said before, that we're good at showing radical love at, to each other. And, and we're, 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 actually, we're actually just a loving community. And that's, that is beautiful. I mean, I think, I think that's the reason we, we're all here, right? But see, that shouldn't be where it stops. That shouldn't be where it stops because we need to live out God's radical love outside of these walls, outside of this place. We need to build a church community whose irresistible love and care for each other demonstrates God's love to the world. We need to invite people to experience this radical love for themselves. And, and, and when Jesus spoke to the disciples in Acts 1, he told them they would be witnesses throughout the world, starting with the immediate community right around them in Jerusalem, and then Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And Jesus wasn't kidding, because, because it, it, it happened. He was right. They were witnesses. And he's calling us to be witnesses. Right outside our walls, in our communities, and to the ends of the earth. See, today, our local community of Redlands, it needs to be in, invited to join in, into our community, into any community, of, of following Jesus and his radical love for us. To come and see what Jesus is doing here in our midst. You have neighbors, I'm sure, you have friends, you have coworkers and waitresses and baristas that you come in contact with every day that, that need to have that contagious love for themselves. And I, I just 
continue to ask this, invite them here to see it. Because I believe they, they'll feel it and they'll change their life. And I, I know it's tough, tough, because I, I actually find it hard for myself to invite people. It's not like, not my sweet spot, right? But it is what we're called to do. And, we, and, and how do we do it? We, we do it just like Peter and John did in this story. We talk about our own story. We all have stories that we can talk about in our lo- own lives, the stories of how God has healed us physically or emotionally or, or spiritually, how things have changed in our life because of Jesus. And, and those are the stories that we talk about with others and it changes, changes lives. You know, and we know that this is not in our own power, that, that the miracle of, of faith in Jesus Christ is not because of us. It's because of the Holy Spirit in us and through us that changes lives. So we need to be ch- willing to share those stories. That's, that's the first thing. We need to ch- be willing to share our, story, our stories of changed hearts and minds and lives and speak about it with others, okay? And we also need to f- be reminded of and, and overwhelmed by those stories. And, and so, because I think sometimes, some of us, especially those of us who've been around church for a long time, or you kind of, I mean, for me, I know I've been in church since I was, you know, since I was born. I, I, don't, I don't remember not being in church. So I, sometimes it doesn't, it's not quite as, it doesn't shake you to the core as often, you know, somebody who's, who's brand new to the faith. So I think sometimes it's, it's a reminding ourselves of what? Because God done for me. What has he done for me? I'm reminded by that song about God's love and how much it, it, it means, like, to just, that he just will search for you anywhere. He'll go through any wall. He'll look, look everywhere for that one who's been lost. And that's, that's just amazing, powerful love. That's radical love. So this is us. This is us. As Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 28, he says, our job is to make disciples, teaching people to follow him. And as Jesus said in Acts 1, before he took off into the clouds, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This is us. Our mission is to make God's radical love contagious. Our job is to set in motion a contagious all-encompassing, benevolent virus, if you will. Sorry. A virus of radical love throughout our community. (laughs) And you don't even have to wash your hands. It's awesome. (laughs) I mean, you wash feet, I guess. That's that's in the Bible somewhere. But, no. And that is exciting to me. Next week is our fifth anniversary in this, this thing we call the mission. <laughs> and when we started the mission, when we began kind of this process of the mission, our goal was to see this, the fire and the contagious spread of the love of Jesus Christ throughout our community. And, and I believe that's, that's happening. I know it's happening. So I, I want to invite you guys to come back next week because next week we're going to celebrate. We're going to parte, as, as, as uh, Ricardo said so eloquently. Um, 
I can't believe how, how fast it's gone, like that five years. So those of you who weren't here back then, I mean, those of you who've been here with us a, a week or a year, it's, it's a celebration. It's been, it's been a journey. And we've grown, that's right, we have grown. And it's, it's awesome to see. And I can only wait, I cannot wait to see what next season has for us. It's, it's exciting, but it has to be contagious. And that's who we have to be. This is us, this is us. To be contagious, not just us in this room, us out in our community. So let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for who you are, for the love you have for us to come, to come down to rescue us from the mess that we were in. God, we just thank you so much for providing your son to, to, to save us and for providing the Holy Spirit in us so that lives can be transformed. God, I just ask that you would help us not contain that radical love just within our community, just within our walls, just in, within people that we, we know are safe, God. Because the example of the early church was that they were courageous with that love. They, they were, they were un, unfettered, unbounded by fear, by what people might think, God. They, 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 that was... That love was so irresistible and so present that they had to just let it out. And God, I would, I would ask that you would remind us of what it, what it looks like in ourselves, what, what, that, what that fervor looks like, what that urgency looks like. God, help us to be willing to step out of our comfort zones for, for the sake of, of your kingdom. And I know it's not easy, God. I just ask that you would give us that courage and help us to see people in our lives that, that, that need your love, that need to be here, to be invited to, to come and see what's happening here at the mission. And we just thank you so much for all all you've done in this place, God, as we, as we look forward to next week, as we look forward to the celebration of five years as this, as this body of believers, of, uh, as the mission, God, I just ask that you would light a fire, light a fire under us, light a fire to spread this gospel, of this good news of, of your your death and your resurrection throughout the rest of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.